Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. We're at least one day late as uh, usually the show comes out on Fridays. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's actually Saturday, so I am uh, one day behind this weekend. I uh, uh, apologize for that and any inconvenience it may uh, have caused you. I know you're all sitting uh, waiting by your uh, podcast inbox, uh, waiting for the uh, the episodes to download. I say that fully aware that that uh, is not what's actually happening, but I do appreciate uh, you coming back uh, to the Pipeline Show, and I do apologize uh, for being a day late uh, this weekend. Uh, Let's start with the question of the day, which I put up on Twitter on Friday, and uh, lots of responses to this question. It's a real hard-hitting journalistic uh, question, but uh, I just I wanted to know who people think has the worst uh, jersey in uh, junior hockey. I didn't specify the Canadian Hockey League, so uh, I wanted to get AJHL teams or BCHL teams or the USHL or you know any any junior hockey teams. I just excluded excluded uh, the NCAA for this particular question. Maybe we'll do it again uh, for uh, just the college teams. But uh, lots and lots of responses, consistent uh, themes that seem to come about. Uh, A lot of people really like the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds jerseys. And for those who, you know, if you need the image in your head, think of the Hartford Whalers, basically a very similar, uh, although Seattle uses a silver in theirs. And I know Hartford eventually did that, but didn't at the start. Uh, But the blue and green. Seems to be very popular. A lot of votes for uh, the Swift Current Broncos as well. Also, blue and green. And those were in uh, positive. Also getting a lot of love uh, in in the positive category would be uh, like the Red Deer Rebels were uh, pretty popular. Uh, A lot of people said the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, For me, it's the Chicago Blackhawks jersey. So uh, uh, lose points for unoriginality. The Edmonton Oil Kings got mentioned a few times in both categories. A lot of people really, really like the red and the red and white and blues, uh, and a lot of people really don't like the uh, the black and the neon green, which I can uh, completely understand. The Moncton Wildcats, not a lot of fans for the uh, not necessarily the the jersey design, but the logo design. And if there's a team that really needs an updated logo, uh, it might be the Moncton Wildcats. Uh, the Sherbrooke Phoenix getting a lot of love. I posted a couple just to be a little bit different. I, I mentioned the Drumheller, the Drumheller Dragons, the uh, the gray with the bright orange uh, and white trim. Uh, I think it looks really, really sharp. Uh, and somewhere, I know there's a team that uses gray with like a bright yellow piping, but I, I 
cannot for the life of me remember what team that is. Uh, but I, And I tried to search for it, uh, but I couldn't find a picture of it. I'm sure there's a team out there, and I recall it being a pretty impressive-looking uh, jersey. Uh, I also mentioned the uh, Little Caesars program out of Michigan with a, uh, a powder blue with an orange trim. Uh, and when I posted that, some people liked it, some people didn't like it. So it was funny. One person uh, voted uh, for worst was Valdor, and a lot of other people um, singled out the London Knights as a good one. They're actually very, very similar with the uh, dark green and the black and the gold trim. Very, very similar. Uh, of course, the Saskatoon Blades and the uh, Pac-Man jerseys, uh, big favorites. Some people not liking the Prince George Cougars looks. The Wenatchee Wild got a thumbs up. Oh, a lot of people not liking the Kelowna Rockets. I, I have to be honest, I don't mind the red ones. Uh, but a lot of people really don't like them. And the, the colors, the black, the teal, and the, and the red... Seem to be a, a big thumbs down for a lot of people. I actually don't hate them. One person said the Calgary Hitmen have great jerseys. I actually don't like Calgary's jerseys. Um, the red, black, and gold. Uh, I'm not a tremendous fan of, of that look. Uh, the Brandon Weekings have a lot of supporters. Um, so anyway, there's a number of... Uh, you can go to my Twitter feed. That's at TPS underscore key and see what everybody had to say. There are lots and lots of pictures. And it's not too late to join in the conversation. So why don't you do that? while you're there let's get to the chl news and the ncaa notes as we continue on in this first segment and then we'll get to the guest list uh, the top 10 coming into this weekend's play in the chl the ottawa 67s followed by portland sherbrooke shakutami and edmonton at five moncton everett kamloops windsor and kitchener uh, are uh, five six through ten the honorable mentions this week go to london cape breton and the Lethbridge Hurricanes, the uh, leading scorers in the WHL, uh, sitting atop. This is now after Friday's action, but before Saturday's games. Uh, Jimmy Hamblin from Medicine Hat has 77 points. Adam Beckman uh, from Spokane with 76. And then a trio of Kamloops Blazers. Uh, Zane Franklin, Orrin Santazo, and Connor Zeri. The top goaltender in both goals against and save percentage is Dustin Wolf. Sebastian Kosa is second for goals against, followed by Joel Hofer. Shane Farkas and David Tendek. And when it comes to save percentage, again, Wolf, number one. Uh, but Shane Farkas right behind him, uh, followed by Joel Hofer of Portland, Sebastian Kosa of the Oil Kings, and Dylan Garand of the Kamloops Blazers. Out in Ontario, the uh, Flint Firebirds are red hot. They've won six in a row. That is a franchise record. Leading scorer is Marco Rossi of the Ottawa 67s. Cole Perfetti right on his heels, one point back with 84 he plays for the Saginaw Spirit. Then you've got Phil Tomasino, Connor McMichael, and Pavel Gogolev from the Guelph Storm rounding out the top five. Nico Dawes continues to have the top goals against average and save percentage. The next goals against average leaders, Cedric Andre from, from the Ottawa 67s, Brett Brochu of London, Jacob Ingham from Kitchener, and Hunter Jones of the Peets. And with save percentage, it goes Dawes followed by Ingham, Andre, Brochu, and Tucker Tynan, the injured Tucker Tynan, is still holding down fifth spot. Let's go to the queue where uh, Alexi Lafreniere was given a three-game suspension for a pretty obvious uh, hit to the head and elbow. Got the chicken wing out on a player. Uh, that was a, a pretty ugly play. He still leads the queue, though, in uh, scoring. He has a nine-point lead on his teammate, Cedric Paré. Igor Sokolov of the Cape Breton Eagles is third. Alex Olivier Voyer. Uh, from Sherbrooke is fourth. Xavier Sabono of Drummondville is fifth. 
and Samuel Lavich uh, still leads in both categories. Other top goalies in the queue include Colton Ellis, Kevin Mandelis, Alexis Shank, and Olivier Rodrigue. A lot of games on Friday in all three CHL leagues, and that continues, obviously, right through the weekend. Standings in U-Sport, we can start in the AUS uh, conference. That's out on the East Coast. The UNB is in uh, top spot. They've won 11 games in a row and have a healthy lead uh, atop the conference now. Acadia has uh, fallen off. They've uh, still holding down second spot, uh, but well back now of the Varsity Reds. St. Mary's, Moncton, State Effects, UPEI, and Dalhousie complete the standings there. Canada West, Alberta wins last night after losing a weekend series against Calgary last weekend. Uh, they get back in the win column. Saskatchewan continues to be red hot. They've won eight in a row. Calgary, after sweeping Alberta, were swept this weekend by Mount Royal, who have now won six straight. So real streaky at, at times in Canada West. In the Ontario Conference in the East Division, Carlton, the Ravens continue to sit atop the standings with Trois-Rivières in second, Ottawa third, and McGill in fourth. Everybody follows after that. And in the West, uh, Toronto is atop the West Division with uh, Ryerson, Guelph, Windsor, and Laurier the next handful of teams. In the NCAA, the USCHO poll had Cornell ranked number one, North Dakota two, followed by Minnesota State. That coming into this weekend's play, uh, but Cornell ran into uh, Quinnipiac yesterday, and the Bobcats really surprised with a 5 nothing shutout win over Cornell. Other notable scores uh, on Friday in the NCAA saw Northeastern getting by Providence a 4-3. Boston College shut out Massachusetts by a score of 3-0. BU doubling up Vermont 4-2. Minnesota State had no problem against uh, Alaska Anchorage yesterday, 7-1 uh, the final there. NCHC matchups, always interesting. Uh, Duluth takes down Denver. That was a road victory for the Bulldogs, 3-2 the final there. North Dakota, just a 1-0 victory against Colorado College. St. Cloud doubles up Miami, 4-2. And Western Michigan, 5-2 winners on the road against uh, Omaha yesterday. And uh, Western Michigan getting on a bit of a roll here as of late. They have won five straight, and that was after not picking up a victory in their previous seven games. So they have seemed to have turned a corner there. Wade Allison with a couple of goals yesterday for the Broncos, and I know all Flyers fans are happy to see him uh, finally getting to play a little bit this year. Uh, and uh, knock on wood, uh, staying healthy. He now has 13 points in 16 games this season. In the Big Ten, we saw Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, uh, having no trouble with Wisconsin, 6-2 the final. Michigan also uh, upending uh, Ohio State by a score of 3-2. Penn State, Notre Dame tied 3-3. And, uh, of course, Arizona State not in a conference. They were victorious against Robert Morris yesterday, 3-2 the final in uh, that contest that was played in Tempe. Princeton Pashnuk with a goal and an assist. How about Willie Neerum having a terrific season here for the Sun Devils? A couple of years for the Miami Redhawks and then uh, took last year off as he uh, switched to Arizona State. And uh, now having a really, really strong season. He's got 19 points in 29 games for the Sun Devils. Okay, that's it for the news and notes. Let's get to what's coming down the pipe this week. All of these guests will be joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Where right now, this is obviously a brewery in uh, Red Deer, Alberta. And if, and if you head into the tap room, 
Right now, you can get the uh, Angry Woodchuck Hopped Weed Ale. Only 3.9% alcohol, but uh, don't be fooled, as they say. This woodchuck is hopped up and ready to chuck wood. There's a crisp malt profile and a ton of Amarillo, Denali, Simcoe, and Columbus hops. Get it while you can, because it's probably not going to be around for six more weeks. Uh, Perfect timing here with uh, Groundhog Day. And last night, I was uh, listening to the uh, Red Deer Rebels game, Cam Moon, and uh, Mike Moeller on the broadcast, and I was enjoying a... Uh, Rebels Red, and uh, noticed on the can, you know, a lot of they do it with the, a lot of their other uh, flavors and, and brews, but they'll list the sort of like the hoppiness uh, level and the IBUs and all of that stuff, uh, sort of a sliding bar graph. And uh, on the Rebels Red one, it's funny because they have a similar graph, but the categories are skill, toughness, selfish, and hard work, and with a sliding bar graph in each of those categories. Nice little touch there. I, I thought that was cool. Uh, while you're in Red Deer, here's the address. 5551 45th Street in Red Deer. That's where you can find uh, the uh, tap room. Go ahead and check it out. Tell them the Pipeline Show sent you. Here's something else you can do, a little homework. While you're enjoying your troubled monk, why don't you take a, a selfie or something, uh, put it on Twitter, and you can uh, tag me in it. That's at TPS underscore Gee, and uh, tag a troubled monk as well, at troubled monk, uh, so we can... Uh, all enjoy our uh, delicious troubled monk beverages together. I'll be enjoying one in the final segment of today's show. So again, all my guests join us courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. You're going to hear from three guests today, usually supposed to be four. There will be a, a special segment. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, one player that I requested who is actually injured right now, I won't get into who it is, but um, I was uh, told that he is unavailable. Uh, he's been injured for a few weeks now. I'm not sure why exactly he's not available or if it's just the team not making him available. It's, it's a team I've had some difficulty with uh, for the last few years. But I wanted to get that particular player uh, on the show as he is draft eligible. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. But I do have three other really, really good interviews. Uh, we're going to start it off with a NCAA campus report. Guy Godowski is the head coach at Penn State. We'll catch up with him. Former, uh, Well, he's not a former Edmontonian. He's from Edmonton, but has had a lot of success. Uh, building that uh, Nittany Lions uh, hockey program right from scratch. So we'll, we'll catch up with Guy Godowski to lead off the show today. Then we will have a 2020 draft spotlight. Here's a guy who was eligible for the 2019 draft, uh, was overlooked, and is now having a remarkable season. His name is Alex Cotton, and might not be a household name, but you look up his stats and, holy cow, he's leading the WHL in scoring by defenseman. He's a guy who had 11 points last year and is now leading the league in scoring by defenseman. Plays for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. You'll get to know him uh, in on today's show. And the final guest segment today would be a guy who played in the WHL, then became a coach, actually used his WHL scholarship while at the University of North Dakota as a student coach. So he was coaching. Back then, It was they were still the Fighting Sioux, uh, and the WHL was paying for it. <laughs> paying for his education while he was there. Uh, you don't hear that story very often, but uh, Pierre-Paul Lamoureux, of course, if you know anything about the Lamoureux family, this is a, a really rich hockey family. Pierre-Paul is one of uh, six siblings, I believe it is, and most of them went to North Dakota. One brother actually went to the Air Force Academy and was really successful there. That would be Jacques Lamoureux. Uh, Pierre-Paul, the only one who didn't go the NCAA route, he came to the WHL, played three years for Brent Sutter with the Red Deer Rebels, then went back uh, south and played uh, one final year of junior hockey with 
the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. Then he went to Manitoba to start using his WHL scholarship. Had a career-ending shoulder injury. And then that's how he uh, transferred over to North Dakota. Continued using his WHL scholarship while he uh, uh, was a student coach there. And now is a coach. He's been coaching for a decade now uh, at North Dakota. And then he came back to Red Deer and coached for Brent, with Brent Sutter there and has now been in uh, the USHL coaching for the last few years. A really interesting story. Great guy to talk to. Pierre-Paul Lamoureux, now the head coach of the Fargo Force. Uh, he is my final guest for this week. But we will have one special segment as it is, uh, I believe, this weekend, 34 years since the release of the movie Youngblood. And uh, if you recall back, I want to say it was in 2010. I'll look it up uh, in time for the segment. But we'll close out today's show with an interview that myself and Dean Millard had way back when, uh, earlier in the existence of the Pipeline Show, back when we were still on uh, radio. It might even have been Team 1260 back then and not TSN 1260 yet. Uh, but we had Steve Thomas on the show, and he was he played a role in the movie, former NHLer. Um, so we'll share that segment uh, with you today, as it happened uh, back then. Uh, in celebration of the uh, release of Youngblood, a movie so bad it is amazingly uh, good. You know, there have not been a lot of uh, quality hockey movies, uh, and I'm not suggesting Youngblood is one, uh, but it's compelling because of how bad it is. It's one of those movies, cult favorite for sure. He's looking at Pro Stock Hockey, their website here today, and uh, they just got a new inventory update. Uh, gloves from the Columbus Blue Jackets have just arrived, and uh, you should check out their website at ProStockHockey.com as they get stuff in all the time. They're continually updating their inventory. And a reminder that uh, every stick you get comes with a 30-day warranty, and you get three rolls of tape as well. Never buy retail. Again, professional gear at a fraction of the cost. Check out ProStockHockey.com. All right, enough of me. Let's get to the show, and we will start with an NCAA campus report. Guy Godowski, head coach of Penn State, He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. This is Guy Gadowski from Penn State Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And we're back on the Pipeline Show, and my first guest this week is, uh, well, we're going to have an NCAA Campus Report segment. Of course, those are all brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family who is exploring all their options and want to know what they need to do to maintain their NCAA eligibility, well, College Hockey, Inc. is a great resource uh, to uh, answer some of those questions for you. So you can check out their website. That is collegehockeyinc.com. Maybe get in contact with Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they can steer you in the right direction and answer any of the questions that you might have. Uh, my guest today is a Canadian who is down uh, south. He's not playing anymore, but uh, he is coaching 
at Penn State University with the Nittany Lions, taking that program right from scratch. And now they are uh, ranked number six in the uh, entire country uh, on the USCHO poll. Uh, pardon me, number eight. I don't want to uh, pump your tires too much, Coach. But uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Guy Gadowski, uh, welcome back. How are you? Hey, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. No problem whatsoever. Tell me about this season so far because, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I've been following how Penn State does every year. Obviously, we've got a bit of an Edmonton connection with you, and I've had you on the show a number of times uh, going back to your Princeton days. So I'm always interested in seeing how the program is doing. And, I mean, you, you take this program right from scratch, and now you're a top-10 team. Uh, that's That's got to be pretty satisfying. It's been fun, and specifically how how fun it is in the arena. The, the The student section here is just unbelievable, and makes the entire atmosphere in the arena so much fun. And so, in that sense, it it's been a ton of fun. But this year specifically, it just seems like a little bit more of a grind. It's been uh, every you know, it's it's just every night has been pretty tough. And this league is, uh, I guess you know, is there's not a there's not a uh, a weak link in the league and it makes every night exciting but every night very tough and you know, therefore I think you it feels a little bit like more more of a grind this year than we've had before. Well first place uh, in the Big Ten Conference right now tied atop uh, with Michigan State and that's another good story uh, in your conference. Yeah. I know it's a rival of yours but boy they've been cellar dwellers for a while and so good to see a bit of a change there but uh, overall 17-8-1 this year you know, you call it a bit of a grind. I wonder how big a difference is there is for your club on the nights you win and the few nights that you've lost this year. I mean, it's got to be a pretty fine line because of how competitive your conference is. Uh, yeah, you can play very, very well and lose, and that's been the case. You mentioned Michigan State. They've done an absolutely tremendous job. Their goaltender is number one in the nation, and tough to get anything by that team. And, and we played maybe our best game of the year and lost 2 nothing. Um, but at the same time, we've also, we've also came out and, uh, you know, didn't have our best performances and were able to lose 6 nothing on those nights too. So it, it's just tough. It just seems that you really, to give yourself a chance, to win, you really have to play extremely well, and and like I said, I guess it's it's great for development, it's great for excitement, but um, it, it's really forced us to to grind out every single week and going into the weekend, make sure we're ready as uh, just to be at, prepared at the highest level to play in this conference. Otherwise, as we've learned, you're going to pay dearly. Well, now that you've had a number of years and what not quite a decade yet, but what is it, uh, seven or eight years uh, now at Penn State? Yeah, nine. Nine. Nine years, wow! Almost a decade. Nine, yeah. It was quick. For sure, you have your your handprints, uh, your fingerprints all over the the, the process now. So, how, what it, what makes a guy Gadowski team? What are sort of what's the sort of the uh, the identity of your team? Oh, well, I don't know if it's a guy Gadowski team. It's very much a Penn State team, and uh, and we've been obviously Mr. Pagula has been extremely generous to us, and and we've been able to. Um, get a lot of resources to to support our student athletes, both like athletically for sure, but academically and anything that they they want to um, get better at. We've been very fortunate that we're able to to support them in that way. But as far as identity goes, I you know we've always wanted to play fast. Uh, you know where I grew up and and what teams we've watched over you know in 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 my youth with the great offensive teams that the Oilers have had, and um, I, that's a hockey that that we enjoy, and I think it's it's hockey. That that we feel we can be successful with. So we've been been very offensive, I guess, um, but always working very hard uh, to get better at all all aspects of the game. 
Guy Gadowski the head coach at Penn State, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Now, your roster, I know we've always talked about how you have a, a pretty healthy Canadian roster uh, going back to your days uh, at Penn State, or at Princeton, rather, and, and even before that with Alaska. Now, you're, you're having this much success despite you know, you're not living up to your Canadian quota this year. You only got, what, <laughs> five five active Canadians, I, I believe, on the roster. Your, your third-string goaltender is, would make it six, but... Uh, you you have gone United Nations with your team. You got Finns and Russians, and uh, so you're spreading it out now. Yeah, but we 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 never forget our roots. Our, our captain is Brandon Byro, who uh, is a great Alberta kid and as as high character Western Canadian as you can get. So I think uh, if if you look at who has the biggest influence on the character and I guess a, a identity and and culture of our team, it would have to be you know a good Western Canadian. So we still have that going. Uh, and he's been uh, banged up a little bit this year. How's he doing right now? Yeah, you know, we're hoping to get him back at least for one this weekend. Um, he's just, he's an unbelievable uh, winner. Uh, he just, he, he's, you know, you hear this cliche a lot, but guys that make everybody better, you know, and, and he is just so that though. His, his tenacity on the puck is, is really incredible. And I think if you play with him, you, you really, you just get swept along with it. And, and when he's in the lineup, we're just a way better team, whether he's on the ice or not, just him being in the lineup, it really helps us. So we're really looking forward to getting him back, but he's had a tremendous career. Obviously he's been a unanimous, unanimous selection for, for our captain. And, uh, and that, that is the way he is off the ice, the way he is uh, with everybody involved in the program and the community. And obviously the way he plays undrafted but uh, it, as a senior i imagine there's attention for him uh, to, for uh, playing pro hockey once his uh, time here at penn state is done at the end of this year you do have seven players who have been drafted and, and when you, when you go back over your career how, is this the most you've had on a, on a team that uh, have nhl connection already or was there one before that i know you had a 25 win season not that long ago no i think yeah you're right this is the most we've had well that's pretty impressive but I get the sense from a college perspective, you you guys you don't pay all that much attention to who's who's drafted and who's not, or is or do I have that wrong? No, we don't. I mean, we've been very fortunate that a lot of uh, guys that have ended up playing in the NHL have, not, have been free agents, and um, you know, I think obviously it's a it's an honor to be drafted, and I think it's a it's a great start, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily it doesn't necessarily give you um, a guarantee that where you're going to finish. And and uh, our players that come here for four years, I think that's a long development time. So whether you're drafted or not, um, it's really more we look at it at how much you develop when you're here that's going to give you the best chance to be successful in our program and and to move on to the next level. Speaking of success, I've I've learned uh, my time doing the Pipeline show that uh, to have success at the NCAA level, it's those teams that have a lot of juniors and seniors that seem to to have more success, uh, and your team seems to be built like that right now. You've got a lot of uh, juniors and seniors, so a lot of veteran experience on your club. Who leads the way uh, in that regard for you? Uh, you know, the the guy who stands up or or uh, on the ice gets the the team going. I imagine there's two or three guys. Yeah, there's a lot more than that, and you're right. It, it you you get the the influence. I don't necessarily believe that it's it's on ice influence is as great as just the program influence. Guys that have been around for for three, four years that, that know the ins and outs of the university as well as your program, the league and, and how to develop and how to handle yourself and live, you know, live correctly with nutrition and sleep while being a very successful student. I mean, that takes a little bit of work. Not everybody just gets it and a little bit of experience. And I, I think that's the reason why. So when you, when you talk about, you know, who's leading the way for our team, it's certainly not one or two or three or four individuals. It's, 
it's a lot. Um, you talked about the Canadian influence. Brandon is obviously our captain. Two assistant captains are Liam Folks and Chris Malari, both from Ontario, who are uh, all three of those guys are, are excellent people, number one. I mean, really great students and very committed and, and just good people in the community. And I, I think that's probably the greatest influence. Obviously, they're all really good hockey players and, and are fun to watch and and motivating for the new players that come into our program. But I really think the true, the biggest influence is just how how they live and how they're able to be a, a very successful student athlete. Uh, can you tell me a bit about Nate Susie as a player? He's got speed, and he's a guy, you know, he's he's our all-time leading, I think, goal goal producer and points producer, for sure, at Penn State. And he still has half a year, or not quite half, a third of the year left to go. Um, and what there's a couple things about him. He's just, you really have to admire his his mental determination, his mental toughness in a in a. In a to be successful like just to contribute in no matter what kind of game it is like some guys are really good and in you know tight games some have to you know play in, in wide open games this is a guy that just produces finds a way no matter what kind of game it is or what which opponent is he finds a way to produce and he's been like that from day one it's not like one of his years has been um spectacular every year has been very very consistent number wise and so to me it's that it's that mental toughness to persevere through anything that i like best about him but besides that physically i mean he's got speed to burn he's another guy that that's getting a lot of attention from from nhl clubs and i think it's you know he's just got great speed and a great determination to produce and that's what makes him special a great example of how a, a smaller player can have success in, in today's uh, hockey landscape and even at the pro level. I mean, he's listed at 5'8", but is a guy you could see easily playing professionally? Yeah, I think so. And we've as he's gone to a couple camps and received very good evaluations uh, of him there. And I think with him, too, it's not he is 5'8", but he's uh, one of our most powerful athletes. So he's extremely uh, dedicated to the weight room and, and getting himself as strong and explosive as, as he can. So he is 5'8", but he's he's an extremely powerful athlete. Uh, Peyton Jones has been your starting netminder this year and uh, another senior who's undrafted. But at 6'4", I, I would have to think there's a tension for him, too. Yeah, and there has been. He's a guy that had a lot of attention and a lot of opportunity after his freshman year when we did win the Big Ten. Um, but he's a, you know what? He felt that he needed a little more development, and he's uh, enjoyed the university and takes academics very seriously. So he he decided to forego those opportunities. And this year, he's having the best year that he's ever had. And and uh, he's extremely athletic. His brother is a is a really high uh, Major League Baseball uh, prospect as well. So they're sort of having a race here to see who can. Uh, who can possibly get to the highest level first <laughs> from a recruiting perspective when you have guys who are going to your program and spending three and or even four years does that make it easier for recruiting when you when you can say to a, a potential recruit look these guys want to stay the entire time here at Penn State yeah I think so Guy. I think you know when they get a chance to come on campus and just see how much fun the campus is the university is uh, I, I think that's the biggest sell. Uh, obviously, we were very, very fortunate with how Mr. Pagula has treated us with the arena and amenities and everything like that. But I think the biggest sell is when they do get on campus and just understand how how fun it is, uh, what a great atmosphere, and, and what you get out of it, not only with the network, but just the uh, being around the environment. I, I really think that's the biggest sell. And yeah, you're right. When you have guys that that have opportunity but decide to come back because of uh, how much they're enjoying it and how much they feel they're developing and getting out of it, it certainly makes it an easier proposition, that's for sure. 
Now, lastly, you have, you've established your program now to this point where, as we said at the start, you're a top 10 team. What's, what's the goal now? I mean, to win a national championship is, is the goal for every team every year, but it's not realistic for everybody. Is this the year though that uh, it is legit? Well, I think there's, uh, there's, there's, there's over half the team. I think there's definitely over 30 teams that think that that's legitimate. And I would, I would agree with that. So I, I feel we're one of those teams. Obviously, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. And, and um, you know, you look at, I remember hearing one analytics talk about, you know, to win the Stanley Cup, you have to be really lucky. It doesn't matter who it is. And and that's absolutely how it, it applies to the NCAA as well. There's no one that can go in and say, geez, this is a year you're going to win the national championship. I think you have to have a lot of luck along the way, whether it's with injuries or bounces, uh, goaltending, referees, et cetera, you name it. So, But we are one of those teams that we feel has a legitimate opportunity and um, we've been working very hard individually as as athletes but also as a program with with the environment and and amenities and resources so um, we feel that yeah that we're one of those teams that if things go well it could all come together and and hopefully lift a trophy at the end of the year well coach if uh, things go that well then i'll be calling you uh, right before the uh, the frozen four so we'll look forward to that and wish you the best of luck hey gee i really appreciate it thank you very much that was Guy Godowski, head coach for the Penn State Nittany Lions. His uh, Lions skating to a 3-3 tie with Notre Dame on a Friday night. They will uh, get together again uh, this evening. But Nikita Pavlichev, Sam Sternshine, and Tyler Gratton, the goal scorers for Penn State. PSU outshot Notre Dame by a total of 48-32. to Kale Morris, though, in net uh, for the uh, Fighting Irish making 45 saves uh, on the night. Still, it's been a good season for Penn State, and uh, that could be a team who has a shot at the Frozen Four this year, if not even better than that. All right, let's go to a 2020 draft spotlight segment. And My guest uh, this week comes from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. That means it's also an in-the-dub segment. But Alex Cotton is uh, seemingly coming out of nowhere this year to lead the league in scoring by defenseman, he is having a tremendous year. He was draft eligible last season, but through 56 games, uh, didn't really have a lot of production. Uh, so it wasn't a huge surprise that uh, he did not get selected. But, boy, no chance he is not getting drafted this year with the uh, outburst of production that he's enjoying uh, playing with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Let's get to know Alex Cotton next here on the Pipeline Show. <laughs> Puts wants the one-timer. Bellary flats it. Go, he scores! (laughs) An unbelievable shot by Jordy Bellary. He's up the schneid, and it's 2-0. Hey, this is Jordy Bellary from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Shattering hockey action continues this Friday at Rogers Place. Your Edmonton Oil Kings face their arch enemies, the Red Deer Rebels at Rogers Place. Don't miss your shot to see the WHL's most exciting team live. And cheer Edmonton on as they keep the fight alive for the top spot in their division. Oil Kings, Rebels. Friday night at 7. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca.
You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Well, we are back on the Pipeline Show. Let's turn on the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment, and it's also an In the Dub segment, as my guest is a WHLer. Of course, all the In the Dub segments are brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the world of the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. Make it a, uh, a daily stop. Maybe subscribe to the Daily Dose of the Dub. It'll come right to your inbox. You don't even have to think about it. My guest today comes from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. His name is Alex Cotton, leading the league in scoring among defensemen. Uh, Alex, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. No problem whatsoever. Listen, if I was to give you some truth serum, uh, you tell me that you were expecting this kind of season for yourself this year. Because last year, 11 points. I uh, didn't get drafted. I don't think you, I don't imagine you were expecting to get drafted uh, in the NHL last year, but this year you're leading the league in scoring among defensemen. Tell me honestly, are you surprised? Uh, yeah, to be honest, yeah, I'm a little surprised, but I, re- I, I, I thought I was going to have, a, I knew I was going to have a better year, but I didn't really expect to, uh, lead the league. No. Uh, so tell me why, why do you think it's all come together for you this year? I mean, your last year at, at Yale was a, a pretty offensive year. Um, but again, last year, just 11 points uh, in 54 games. So what's the difference this year for you? Uh, I think it's just more of a, it's a confidence thing. I think just it, it's being my second, like it's my second year in the league and I know what it takes to, to play in the league. And then also I think just the opportunity aspect of everything, like the coaches give me more opportunity and I'm just trying to take, uh, take advantage of it. Something to do with the right guy at the right time as well. I mean, the, the team had lost so many offensive weapons from last season that guys needed to step up, and like you just said, you're getting the opportunity. And man, I don't think anybody could argue that you're uh, making the most of it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I really have to give credit to my teammates and my coaches. I mean, I'm not going to be getting that many points if my if the players can't make plays. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Credit goes to them. Yeah, well, no, for sure. And the team is doing really well again this year as well. Uh, second place in the Eastern Conference, and uh, the, the conference is just so tight. Your the Central Division so tight. The Oil Kings, the Hurricanes, and the Medicine Hat Tigers, top three teams, all in the Central Division, and all still fighting it out for for playoff seating. And you can't throw the Calgary Hitmen out the window uh, just yet either. Uh, that may, that means, I mean, every night is a uh, an important game for the Hurricanes and for those other teams as well. You, you can't really afford to have a, a bad night or a bad stretch of games. Yeah, no, you really can't. I think when your division's that strong, you have to, you can't take any game lightly and you just got to keep, keep plugging away each and every game. And I think we've been doing pretty well. From the outside looking in, I've, I've never been a player, certainly not at that level, but when each game has that importance, I would guess that it's pretty easy to stay engaged and focused on, on, on things. You don't take those nights off and you don't have a bad game here or there because you can't. Yeah. You, you can't really afford it for sure. That's a, that's a big thing. I think, um, yeah, just when you play hockey your whole life, it's just kind of like, it's just another game kind of feeling. So you just go out and play and do what you do and hopefully it turns out right. Alex Cotton is my guest. He's a defenseman with the Lethbridge Hurricanes in the Western Hockey League. And, uh, Alex, this part of the show, we like to uh, uh, let my audience get to know somebody that's in your position, being that you're still draft eligible. And not everybody that's hearing this is going to know exactly who you are, as the audience is across North America, and not everybody is uh, a WHL insider. Um, so let's get to know you a bit. Uh, where are you from, Alex? Uh, I'm from Langley, B.C. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing competitive hockey? Uh, I think, well, when I first started skating, I was three. And then 
I think my first season, yeah, like I was four. Four years old. All right. And who got you into hockey at that young of an age, or was it just all your friends are doing it, so you want to do it too? No, it was mostly my brother. I think I really wanted to. I said, oh, I wanted to be a goalie. Hmm. My my first, I wanted to be just like my brother because my brother was a goalie, but my parents said it was too much money, so <laughs> they didn't they didn't let me. Older brother, I'm guessing. Yeah, older brother. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I just started playing, and then now I'm here. How much older is your uh, brother? Uh, he's seven years older than me. Oh, so you couldn't get all his hand-me-down equipment? No. Oh, oh that's too bad. No. Uh, so at a young age, I mean, all players have to take their turn playing a net every once in a while. Did you have that opportunity then to, you know, actually get into the into the goal and, and play? Uh, no. I really? I started playing out. I was just, a, I was always an out player. I'd go in net for like, it'd be like the last practice of the year or whatever, you know what I mean? And then just, i go in net for fun, but. No, I didn't. I when I started playing out, I like I liked it. Uh, why defense? Why not forward? Or did, did you ever try being a forward at one time? Uh, I've always been a defenseman that liked playing forward. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I've always like I was just like yeah, I'm kind of like a forward that stays back. But one year, one year I did play. I wanted I switched and played forward for a year, but I didn't. I wasn't too too keen on it. Well, I mentioned that big year at Yale, the uh, the final year there, 54 points in uh, in 32 games. That's is what was the difference there for your offense to really uh, come to the forefront? Was that also a case where you'd been there for a couple of years and and were feeling comfortable and started to take some more offensive uh, creative license? Yeah, it was, it was the same type of thing. I think when you play with guys like Byram and and Cousins and all those guys, it's and then they leave. It's just like you're, you have to step up and be the guy. So I just kind of had a lot of confidence going into the season and just tried to be creative and do what I do. Fifth round pick in the uh, WHL Bantam drift, uh, draft by the Hurricanes back in uh, 2016. Uh, I've talked to a lot of guys on this show about what the draft was like for them. Uh, some guys got to stay home from school. Other guys were at school, but really not doing any schoolwork, just following along on their phone or something like that. But uh, what was the draft day like for you, Alex? Uh, well, we went to um, so I was obviously at Yale, and we went to uh, hockey advisors like classroom kind of thing, and we watched the first round and saw like at that time it was like Josh Williams get drafted, and that was really cool. It was really cool for him. And then we had practice, and then that's when kind of more guys on our team got drafted, and then we got off the ice, and then I was showering, and someone told me I got drafted, and I was like, really, I was really surprised. And then, yeah, it was it was cool. And now you're a BC guy, as you mentioned, but to, to get drafted by the Lethbridge Hurricanes meant you're obviously moving away from home, uh, and chances were pretty good that that was going to happen. But when it was Lethbridge, what were your initial feelings about that? I I was it was surreal at that time. I think being a young kid, getting selected, it's really cool. So I just I didn't really think about the city too much. I just was like, wow, I just got drafted, and then went to went to the camp and stuff. Well, you had uh, five games under your belt with the Hurricanes uh, back in the uh, a couple of seasons ago, uh, and then again your first uh, full season last year, uh, where you had 11 points in 54 games. But having that five game, uh, you know, dipping your toe in the water, so to speak, the, the year previous, did that help you kind of get acclimated last year to the league? Uh, yeah, I think a little bit it does. I think when you get called up, and it's it's so much faster than than midget is, and yeah, I think it helped me a little bit, but I didn't really have the best year of my life last year. Yeah. 
Well, no, I and I mentioned we're draft eligible last season. Obviously, did not get drafted. I don't. Were you expecting that you would after the season that you had? Uh, not the season, but I think maybe if we went a little farther in playoffs and I kept playing the way I was playing, right, there could have been a chance because I had I I had a really good playoffs, but we were obviously knocked out in the first round. So. Yeah. Uh, but then this year now, did, was that, you know, tell me about the off season, getting ready for this year. Um, the way you finished at Yale, did you kind of think in the back of your head, you know what, I, I've had got that year under my belt now, I am more comfortable, uh, things could be a lot different for me, and, and how did that change your approach to this season? Yeah, I just really, I think in the off season, I just really focused on working super hard, getting stronger, losing losing fat, like body fat percentage and stuff like that. And just become just becoming an overall good player, and I came came in and just tried to do my thing. Had lots of confidence at, off off the start, and the coaches gave me the opportunity, and I'm just trying to keep taking advantage of it. Alex Cotton is my guest, uh, and for those Alex who haven't had a chance to watch the Hurricanes play, or, or again, like I said, might not watch the WHL, uh, but come draft day, they they might want to know who the guy is that's uh, leading the WHL in scoring by defenseman. What kind of a player are you outside of the stats? You know, they, they might not give us the whole picture. So how would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I think I'm a good puck moving defenseman that likes to jump in the, jump in the rush a lot. I think I like to create plays and get myself out of trouble. I think that's one of my strong points is I'm able to escape myself out of trouble. I try to, and try and just have to try and keep working on the defensive part of the game. The uh, WHL's website lists you at 6'2 and about 180 pounds. Uh, how accurate and up-to-date is that? Uh, that's pretty accurate. Okay. And you mentioned skating. Is uh, one of your stronger assets, you feel? Uh, yeah, I feel like my first three steps aren't really too too good. But uh, when I get going, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty quick. And I think I'm a, de- I'm a deceptive skater, so I can get myself out of, out of areas that other players can't. I have to ask you about playing uh, with Kalen Addison. I don't know if, uh, what your defensive pairings are like, but uh, having him on the team at least, another offensive-minded guy, how much you've kind of uh, stolen from him and added to your repertoire? Uh, a lot, to be honest. I've, seen, I've stolen a lot from him. I think he's a guy that obviously has tons of success, and I just try and try and model my game a little bit after him and then add my own, own things in, into it. Now, is the NHL draft something that uh, you spend much time thinking about? I know uh, most players I talk to say they try not to think about it. But there are other guys who say no; they they like looking to see where they're ranked, and they use it as you know a bit of a motivator. Uh, what, what about you? When the the subject of the draft comes up, do you uh, do you think about it? Yeah, here and there. Like sometimes it's I think it's like a sometimes you want to think about it, and then some other times you just you you shouldn't. But uh, yeah, um, not really. I just try and keep playing, like just keep having the season I'm having, and I know things will turn out right. Well, excellent, Alex. Uh, it, you know, you, as a uh, BC guy, did you grow up uh, as a Canucks fan, or you know, with uh, the the way the league is now, and maybe it's a uh, certain players that you're cheering for more than teams? Uh, what was it like for you as a kid? Uh, yeah, I, I was when I was really young. I was a Canucks fan, but then when I when I was around, I don't know, like six or seven, we went to Toronto for a hockey tournament there. The Maple Leafs are now my, they've been my favorite team for forever now. But yeah, like you said, I think I just try and model my game after players mostly now. And 
That's I just try and model my game after players. Well, when it when you put it like that, are there two or three guys in particular that you you kind of look to and and say maybe I can pattern my game a little bit after them and have success? Uh, yeah, I've been told a few guys. Like I've been told by coaches and a few other people, like who they think I could be. Right. And I try and just uh, Makar is a big big one for me. I think I try to watch a lot of his shifts and study the way he plays. So. I mean, he's doing pretty well for himself, but that'd be nice. No kidding. Well, this weekend, the uh, the uh, Hurricanes on the road. You're up in uh, Prince Albert, right? Starting a bit of a Saskatchewan trip? Uh, yeah, we just play two games, and then we have a road game against Red Deer on Wednesday, and then we're back at home, I think. Uh, listen, Alex, I really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you and the, and the Hurricanes when you roll through Edmonton next time to take on the Oil Kings. Uh, and should be some, uh, some pretty exciting hockey to down the stretch. I appreciate your time. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. There's Alex Cotton of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. I looked it up. He had 11 points in his rookie season, as we talked about there. And this year, he had exceeded those numbers before Halloween. Yeah, he's having a heck of a year. Uh, Right now, as we speak, uh, going into Saturday's action, uh, he is the league leader in scoring by defenseman. He has... uh, 51 points in 48 games. Max Martin of the Kamloops Blazers is next. He has 48 points. Then drops down a bit to Wyatt Wiley of the Everett Silvertips with 44. Johnny Ludwig in Portland with 43. And uh, Philip Krull uh, has 40. So does Kalen Addison, uh, also of the Hurricanes, with 40 points. Now, there is a bit of a difference as Addison's only played 36 games. And I think he was the guy a lot of people thought would be leading uh, Lethbridge in scoring from the blue line. And I guess. Points per game, uh, I'm not going to do math, but uh, it would be pretty close to that if uh, if not ahead of Alex Cotton. But take nothing away from what uh, Cotton has done. Uh, he has had a cotton-picking good year. I apologize for that. Let's get to uh, the next guest. And uh, coming up after the break, going to hear from a former Red Deer Rebel, a former Fighting Sioux, a former Tri-City Storm, a former Manitoba Bison, and uh, now currently a member of the Fargo Force. Uh, he was a player in the WHL, uh, started coaching in the uh, NCAA, uh, came back to the WHL as a coach, and is now in the USHL as a coach. His name is Pierre-Paul Lamaru. Great story, great conversation. You're really going to enjoy it. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. On the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper, what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centria. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. 
The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We are back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to continue on, uh, and we're going to head south of the border and have a USHL segment. It's been a little bit since we talked about the USHL, and my uh, guest today is a head coach uh, of the uh, Fargo Force in the USHL, having a uh, terrific season thus far uh, with a record, uh, well, a winning percentage of 606. My guest is the uh, head coach, Pierre-Paul Lamoureux. Uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you today, coach? Hey, game doing great. Uh, glad to be uh, back on the airwaves up in Alberta. So we got a lot of family up in the Edmonton area, and uh, excited to be chat- chatting with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, talk about your connections up here in a little bit. But first, I want to start with the force and uh, the way the standings are right now. You're in third place, but you got five games in hand on Tri City. I'm not sure how there could be that big of a difference in the <laughs> in the playing schedule, but uh, works out in your favor right now. Although, yeah, it's great to have games in hand, but you got to win those games. No, for sure. And that, and it's actually something we've talked about as our staff. A lot of our games in hand coming up here are going to be, uh, uh, three and three games. So, uh, we're going to have to make sure our guys are well conditioned and, and prepared for those games. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. And sometimes your schedule is, uh, advantageous for you, for your group. And sometimes it's less advantageous, but, uh, um, you know, we can't worry too much about that. We just got to, you know, take, take things one game at a time and, and, uh, Bank, bank the points that you can, you know, so, and, uh, like you talked about it, our division, our, our league right now is extremely competitive. Like it's, it's really tight. Only six points separate, uh, second place from uh, sixth place. And, uh, you know, every point's important and every point's crucial. Well, as a coach, does that help you almost keep your players engaged and they know every night is, is an important game? No doubt. You know, that's, uh, uh, one of the best, you know, we believe, uh, developmental opportunities for our players is, is our league year in year out is extremely competitive and uh last year we play uh we play a 62 game schedule uh 51 of our 62 games were either tied or there was only a one goal lead in the third period wow. so every game that we're playing in it's a it's a tight game it's uh it's neck and neck so your players really have to learn how to how to control their emotions and, and build leads and earn leads and, and, and play from behind as well, you know. So, um, you know, every game that you're in, there's no, there's no pushovers in our league. And, and that's, you know, we, what we really believe helps, uh, develop our players, uh, game in, game out and, and throughout the course of our season. So, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, extremely competitive league from, uh, top to bottom. Well, speaking of the uh, the players on your team, who are the guys that uh, lead the way for you, uh, whether it's by their point production or just the leaders in the room? Yeah, you know, we uh, really like our group this year. We have a um, a veteran group, um, and we're we're definitely a group that doesn't that 
that doesn't rely on, on one player or one line. Uh, we're a group that relies on uh, and needs everyone uh, to contribute. And, and, and we've been getting contributions from everyone up and down our lineup. Uh, you know, our, our scoring uh, uh, is a little bit top-heavy with a couple of players, but, but we're getting contributions uh, from everybody. And, um, you know, a couple of guys that, you know, we really uh, – that are go-to guys for us, a uh, player by the name of Minden Breen, um, Caden Bolson, uh, those, those two guys up front for us really uh, carry a big workload. And then another player uh, who just got back from the World Junior Tournament uh, – He's our captain, uh, Andre Pavel. He played for uh, Czech Republic over in uh, the World Junior Tournament, and um, he's a he's a real interesting story. Uh, players voted him captain almost unanimously at the start of the year, and he uh, last year at the start of the season, if you would have told me that he'd be competing for a spot and make the World Junior team to represent Czech Republic, I said there would have been no way. And he's a he's a kid that. Day in, day out, um, just worked on his game and uh, got a little bit better each day and, and uh, uh, really carved out a, a real role with us and our group uh, toward the end of last year and proved to be a very, very valuable player. And he came into this year in great shape, great condition. And, you know, obviously the Czech Republic took notice of that. And uh, he was a big part of their team uh, to represent their country in the World Junior Tournament uh, over Christmas break. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, netminder Cole Brady. Uh, New Jersey Devil fans would be angry with me as he's a, a Devil's prospect. Uh, how's he look for you this year? You know what? When you when you see Cole and you see him the second he steps on the ice, he, he's impressive. Like he's uh, he looks like an NHL goalie. Um, the way he wears his gear, he's six foot five. He's long. He's lanky. Uh, you know, but but he moves ex- extremely well in his crease. Uh, you know, he's an athletic kid. And, and, and he's big. He's a prototypical pro goalie with, uh, with a lot of upside. And, you know, uh, with that being said, our, you know, Cole, Cole also has a lot of areas of his game that he, he needs to continue to work on and develop. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, where our goalie coach here in, in Fargo does a great job with our, our goalies every year in, year out since, uh, our staff's been put together here in Fargo. Uh, we, we've consistently had, uh, um, goalies, Ranked top five in save percentage and goals against average, and uh, we take a lot of pride in, in uh, developing uh, that position uh, and those players uh, on our team. So, those are tremendous prospects. Pierre Paul Lamoureux, my guest, he's the head coach of the uh, Fargo Force in the USHL, and uh, you've been in that position uh, for. Well, is this how is it different? Uh, looking at elite prospects, and they list you this year as head coach, and the last couple of years associate head coach. <laughs> how have things changed over the last few years? Yeah, well, our organization, uh, when I came back to Fargo, I was, uh, uh, my last two years as the associate head coach, I had a lot of responsibilities, uh, just with, with pre-scout, uh, and, and video work five on five, and I ran our, our team's penalty kill, and, um, we had an organizational shift here in the last 12 months where, uh, Kerry Ede, longtime head coach GM here, he, he transitioned, uh, purely into a management role and, and, and stepped off the bench, and, and I stepped in for him as the head coach. So, um, Kerry's our full-time general manager and, and president of hockey operations. And, uh, and this is my first year as a full-time head coach. So, uh, real excited about the opportunity. And, uh, every day is, uh, every day is a new day or a day where I'm learning and, and trying to get a little bit better. And, um, really, really enjoying the experience right now. I really enjoy our staff and really enjoy our players. So, uh, it's been a, a good transition so far. You've had a really interesting career path uh, from where you played as a player and uh, continuing on with your coaching career as well. And you've been you've been coaching now for a decade, and you're a young guy. I mean, 
At what point as a player did you decide, you know what, coaching is is uh, probably a better choice for me than being a player? Because you come from a family with a lot of hockey players, and most of them uh, continued on to, yeah. to be uh, players, and a couple of them still playing overseas. Yeah, four of my uh, siblings are still playing. Uh, my brother Phil is a goalie. He's playing over in Europe, and he's uh, leading the, the Austrian Elite League and, uh, uh, and all the goaltending stats. And my uh, younger brother Mario, he's playing over in Germany. And then yeah. my twin sisters uh, – who just represented uh, USA at the, the NHL All-Star game. Uh, they're, they're still playing, and they're hoping to play in their fourth Olympics uh, coming up here. So, But uh, to answer your question, um, I had a, I was playing at the University of Manitoba, and um, I had a, a career-ending uh, shoulder injury. I, I uh, tore my rotator cuff, and you know I kind of knew I know this was my third shoulder surgery, and I kind of knew as a player, too, that uh, you know I wasn't, likely going to make it to the NHL. And um, I, I actually wasn't sure what I was going to do at that point in time. And uh, what happened was um, uh, the, the coach at the University of Manitoba offered me, uh, uh, you knew I was going to be done playing. And he said, hey, I'd like to keep you on staff. And I'd like you to be our, our student assistant coach. I'll, we'll pay you. And um, we'll, we'll want to keep you involved. And, and uh, I was like, geez, I, I never thought about that. I didn't, I wasn't sure what I was going to do at that point in time. And um what ended up happening was a, a similar position became available at the University of North Dakota. And I was fortunate enough that Dave Axtell, uh, the head coach at UND at the time, brought me on his staff. And uh, that's kind of where I started. And, you know, I just started pushing pucks around in practice and was paying attention at meetings. And uh, before I knew it, I, I fell in love with it and um, got involved on the recruiting side and the scouting side. And uh, I've been, been doing it ever since. So since then, I, I graduated from uh in North Dakota uh, with a management degree. And then I, I went to law school after that as well. So I spent uh-huh. a total of six years at the University of North Dakota as a, as a student assistant and a grad assistant coach, learning from some very good people. So I mean, that's an amazing uh, – and, and it's funny because all your siblings and your dad uh, went to UND as players. You didn't, but you ended up there as a coach. That's 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 kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know. Um UND certainly holds a very special place in, in my heart and, uh, and my family, uh, very important to my family. And uh, to have the opportunity to work there was, was very special to me. So, And uh, I was lucky enough I got to coach my brother for uh, three years there. So that was, uh, that was a real fun experience, getting to uh, enjoy that time and spend that time with him. So. Now, as a player, you chose to uh, go to the WHL. Your dad is actually from up here, isn't he? Isn't he from Fort Saskatchewan, something like that? Yeah. Yep. My dad's from Fort Saskatchewan, and uh, uh, my whole whole side of my dad's family still lives in the Alberta area. Um, they, uh, actually, unfortunately, my my grandma Henriette actually just passed away earlier this week, but she. Uh, uh, so we're gonna have a bunch of family up getting together here uh, next weekend for her funeral. So, but uh, yeah, Alberta's a uh, real close. Uh, a lot of ties in the Alberta area for for our family. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that, uh, about your grandma. Yeah. Um, now, when all your siblings went to North Dakota to play, why did you choose to, to come to the WHL and, and Red Deer was the team that you ended up with? Yeah, you know, at, at the time when I was uh, a younger player, I, I, I modeled my game after, um, you know, defensive defensemen. And um, I really felt, you know, my goal and my ambitions at that time were to play pro hockey. And and if you look back at, at that that time in the Western Hockey League, a lot of defensemen were coming out of the Western Hockey League and, and going straight to the NHL, and uh, um, you know ended up having long pro careers. And, and a lot of those guys were, were players that I aspired to be and, and be like. And um, 
you know, that was kind of the path that I chose. And, and Redger, uh, you know, at that time, certainly they, they were just kind of fresh off the Memorial Cup and uh, went to the, the league finals for a couple of years in a row. And, um, you know, they were uh, spitting out defensemen left and right uh, that were moving on to play pro hockey. And I, I felt at that time that it was a very good uh, opportunity for me to go play and develop. And I certainly enjoyed my time in Red Deer as, as a player. And, you know, was fortunate enough uh, Brent brought me back uh, uh, to be a coach there and uh, spent the season coaching for him and with the Rebels. So, yeah, Red Deer is uh, a real special place for me. Well, and then, okay, let's continue on with the career path as a player. Three years with the Rebels, then you spend uh, one season with the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. And I got to point this out, 244 penalty minutes that year? <laughs> you know what? They they counted the 10-minute misconducts. As, uh, they they got to the, the pad their stats a little bit. So <laughs> I think back in the day in the Western, they get, if you got a 10-minute misconduct or an instigator, you didn't get the 10 minutes. So my, uh, I probably could add a few more penalty minutes in my, my Western League days, but uh, those 10 minutes contacts didn't think it's a pad of stats. So, <laughs> man, I thought maybe that was, uh, how you hurt the shoulder. Yeah. The knuckles. Yeah. A little bit of that. Uh, I'm trying to think back to my Tri City days. Uh, the, the tough guy in the USHL was Brandon Bowley and, uh, they were, they were a conference rival of ours. So I think we played about six times that year. And, yeah. Brandon Bowley smacked me around a couple of times. So that was, uh, <laughs> Those are always good, fun games, competitive games to play in. And I miss, I miss playing. I miss putting the skates on for sure, but good experience in Tri-City. The most penalized player in the USHL, uh, that season. Uh, and then you move on to, uh, to Manitoba <laughs> and you have that one year. Uh, and then the injury, of course. Now you were using your WHL scholarship as a player at Manitoba. When it, that changed to being a coach and you go to North Dakota, were you still, it, it says student assistant. So, you were still taking classes, so were you using your WHL scholarship as a student at North Dakota? I was. Yep, I was. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a huge advantage of uh, you know I, I got to go to a great place at, at North Dakota, and uh, the Western League was paying for my schooling, so I was very fortunate, uh, you know, and I took advantage of uh, the scholarship opportunity uh, that the Western League provided. So it certainly provided me a lot of opportunities and, and made uh, kind of the decision to. To, to get into coaching is very easy for me. Yeah. You know, the financial burden of, uh, of that was, uh, it was great, you know, so, uh, it provided me some good opportunities and some connections that, some lifelong connections that I still have today. So. Well, that's awesome. And I, and I know it's kind of a cliche to, you know, when you ask, I talk to a coach and, and, uh, I say, well, what kind of influences he had? The coach usually says, well, he picks a little bit from this coach and all the coaches he had as, as a player. For you to have Brent Sutter as one of those guys and Dave Haxtall as one of those guys to be around and, and be on his staff and, and some of the other coaches at UND, there's a lot of fiery personalities there. Uh, does that make you a fiery coach on the bench too? You know what? Uh, I, I wouldn't describe myself as fiery, um, intense, passionate, uh, you know, all, all those things that, you know, it, it takes to win. I, I think, you know, your team's uh, – end up kind of taking the, the shape of your coaches, your head coach's personality a bit. And, um, right. Uh, I certainly have that, that fire and that passion and, uh, enjoy coming to the rink every day. And, and we want our players to do the same and, you know, win or lose, uh, we want, we want our team to compete every single game. And, uh, you know, if we lose we want, we want the team that we, that beat us to know that they were, they were in a battle and that it, that it wasn't an easy victory. And, you know, I think a lot of those personality traits, I, I certainly, uh, just had it had in me, but uh, those coaches and working with those people and playing for Brent, uh, they get it out of you. So yeah, I, I definitely have some of those, some similar personality traits and intensity traits uh, as, as some of those guys for sure. 
Well, and lastly, I wanted to ask you about the family, and you mentioned uh, how a couple of your brothers are still playing overseas, and, and the, your sisters are both, well, uh, heck, let's be honest, they, they've had the uh, probably the most impressive uh, hockey careers uh, out of all of you guys. Uh, a couple, They've no got question. gold medals, Olympic gold medalists, and uh, and your brother Jacques, uh, I was really impressed with his uh, performance at, at, at Air Force as a player. Is he back there coaching now? Yeah, so he, uh, when Jacques graduated from the academy, he, he got... Um, Bounced around a little bit with uh, where he was getting stationed, and uh, now he's uh, he's stationed uh, in, in Colorado Springs. And they brought him. He, so he's actually a professor at the uh, academy right now, and and they brought him uh, on as their uh, volunteer assistant coach. So he's uh, he's back uh, back on the ice, and uh, he's really enjoying his time there. And um, and now the Air Force they they recruit players out of the USHL, and so uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's calling <laughs> calling me every other week trying to pick my brain on some on some players and, and find out some information. So it's, it's kind of fun to have him back in the mix a little bit. It definitely gets us on the phone more often. So really enjoying that. Outstanding. Uh, well, Pierre Paul, I really appreciate uh, your time today. I know you got to get on the bus and uh, head out to Green Bay. So I wish you the best of luck in that weekend series. Uh, and uh, I hope we can get chat again one day. I appreciate the trading message with you on, uh, on Twitter every once in a while. It's uh, great to catch up. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks a lot. You appreciate it. And, uh, Appreciate your support up in Alberta and in the Edmonton area. And uh, like I said, Alberta uh, uh, holds a real special uh, place uh, close to my heart. So uh, thanks for having us on. What a beauty. Pierre-Paul Lamoureux, uh, formerly of the Red Deer Rebels and the University of North Dakota, the Manitoba Bisons and the Tri-City Storm, and uh, currently with the Fargo Force. Uh, Great to catch up with him again. Every once in a while, I trade uh, messages with him, kind of pick his brain about what's happening down there. He sends me messages asking me about what's happening in the WHL. So it, it was uh, great to catch up with him uh, once again. Okay, one more segment to go on the show. That's it for the guests, the, the live guests for this year. Uh, but this week marks the 34th anniversary of the release of the movie Youngblood. Uh, starred Patrick Swayze and uh, Rob Lowe. Keanu Reeves was in it as well as a, uh, a bunch of cameos from some NHLers. Peter Zezel was one of them. Uh, and Steve Stumpy Thomas. Uh, and back in the day, Dean Millard and I had uh, Steve Thomas on the Pipeline show to talk about his uh, participation in the movie Youngblood. And when we come back, we're going to revisit that conversation and uh, open the vault and bring that one out for everybody. Steve Thomas, former NHLer and one of the stars of Youngblood. That's next here on the Pipeline show. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Hi, I'm Steve Thomas of the Hamilton Mustangs from the movie Youngblood, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. He fights like an old lady. All right, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Just one uh, final segment for this week's episode, kind of a special segment. Uh, I mentioned, I teased it in the last segment, that uh, we're going to have Steve Thomas, or at least not live, but audio from when we had Steve Thomas back 
in season six of the Pipeline Show, September September twenty fifth, two thousand and ten. Steve Thomas, uh, the audio was played anyway. I, I, I just listened to it again. It's Dean Millard uh, in solo conversation with uh, Steve Thomas, and it sounds like it's at the rink uh, as there's background noise. So it's uh, a between periods sort of a conversation with Steve Thomas uh, talking about his participation in the movie Young Blood. I remember we also had somebody else uh, to talk about Youngblood. It turns out it was uh, his fellow. The fellow's name is Don Biggs. He is the father of uh, former Toronto Maple Leafs uh, draft pick Tyler Biggs, and we had him on the following season in season seven of the Pipeline Show. So we're going to share both of those conversations with you. So obviously these guests don't join us via the Troubled Monk Hotline, but uh, they were guests uh, of the Pipeline Show back in season six and season seven. Let's start with uh, Steve Stumpy Thomas. Here's uh, Dean Millard with uh, Steve Thomas. Steve Thomas of the Tampa Bay Lightning with me right now. And, uh, you know, young players that are small used to be passed over a lot. Uh, you know, your son is a kid that you said has some character and some grit. There was another young, small player that people didn't think could play the game of hockey, and his name was Dean Youngblood. And I want to ask you a little bit about Dean Youngblood and, of course, your experiences uh, in that film. Uh, how many times do you ever watch that, throw it in the uh, DVD just to experience it? It's, it's been on. It goes on TBS. It goes on all these different stations and uh, you know you're flicking around surfing the the, uh, the channels and, and sometimes it pops up but it's uh, it was a good experience it was uh, it was fun to do I met some really cool people Patrick Swayze um, uh, Rob Lowe Keanu Reeves uh, Ed Lauder who's a coach on that team but but um, it was just fun um, and you know what I can always look back and say I'm on an MGM film I didn't win a, an Oscar for it but uh, you had that big famous towel snap scene where Swayze walks by and hey listen I've got that memory move memorized the movie memorized because we watched it you know every day in high school but you got that famous scene where he snaps a towel at you it's a, it's a little odd because you don't often see a player doing leg uh, uh, what did they do uh, leg squats with half their equipment on so yeah that wasn't my idea but it worked out okay some of the stuff in that movie is is, is funny and it's comical because it was an American aspect on hockey and you know, uh, we find it funny. I made 92 goals. They're, they're obviously focusing on 92 because of Gretzky, but the main part, the, the, did you chuckle during the making of it? And did you want to say, listen, this just doesn't seem right? Or, or are you just happy to be there? Well, you're freaking me out right now because you know all the lines <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's an American perspective. And that was in the, in the um, early 80s and 84, I think we filmed it, or 83. And, uh, yeah, it's just the way they talk about the game. It's different than what we are used to in Canada, but it, again, it's an American perspective, and uh, uh, oftentimes it's not the same as our perspective of hockey. Yeah. Memorial Cup games in the afternoon and things like that, like I said, I've got it memorized. It's a fun movie, and it was probably a good time to be part of, and uh, you know, you, you can look back at it, and, and I'm, I don't know if the kids watch it on the bus anymore. But. Well, it's funny because my son told me that, uh, that they put it on the bus on a road trip to, I think it was Ottawa or something, and they got a pretty good laugh out of it okay i mentioned we also tracked down don biggs the uh, father of tyler biggs former toronto maple leafs draft pick anyway don was the stand-in in a lot of the skating scenes in the movie young blood so we wanted to pick his brain about his experiences of filming the movie it's a fun conversation uh here is don biggs on with dean millard and i from season seven of the pipeline show this in uh, 2000 
and 11. Joining us, a man who uh, knows all about uh, the movie Youngblood, maybe more than than I do, which is pretty impressive. Don Biggs joins us. Uh, he's the father of Tyler Biggs, who was drafted by the Maple Leafs. But more importantly than us, Don, you were uh, a skate stand-in for the movie Youngblood. So that's what we really want to talk about. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you today? Good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No problem. I guess you would be voting for Youngblood on that list, would you? Or <laughs> oh, Of course. Keep of the course. residuals going. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, well, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got involved with uh, being involved with the, the movie Youngblood and, and what it was like to be on set. Well, I, I was 17 at the time, actually, and uh, I was playing ball hockey in the Toronto area and had just finished uh, my first year of junior hockey and um, went out for a skate. They said that they needed some extras, and it just happened that Peter Markle, the director, was a former hockey player and was out on the ice and uh, came over to me and asked me if I'd be interested in being Patrick Swayze's double. And it kind of evolved from there. So spent the better part of uh, that summer um, in the Toronto area at uh, Ted Reeves, St. Mike's, and Lakeshore Arena, uh, hooked up with uh, Peter Zezel and Stevie Thomas and uh, and some of the guys, and it uh, we ended up having a ball. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, being on set, obviously, around some of the, the big-name movie stars. At least, uh, I mean, Keanu Reeves is a much bigger name today than he was back then, uh, playing a goaltender with a very, very bad French accent. But uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe and, and some of the other guys that were on set, uh, and how much did you actually interact with them very often? Uh, we did, actually. It was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Patrick Swayze wanted to hear hockey stories. He wanted to obviously get... Um, very much uh, involved in his character, so he hung out with us a lot. Patrick, or, uh, Rob Lowe was a little bit more standoffish, and uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. We we didn't know who he was at the time, so it, it wasn't a big deal. But he was uh, he was some fun as well. But it really was um, uh, Patrick Swayze that that hung around with us. He ate with us every day. Um, he wanted to learn the intricacies of hockey. He had skated before. Um, but he wasn't a great skater. He had taken figure skating lessons. But really, the I think the funniest thing was opening night. We were at St. Mike's, and uh, you have to walk up a rubber runway to get there. And Rob Lowe, I think, thought that he was going to be a little bit better than he was. And he had these pink horn rim glasses on, and there's 4,000 people in the stands. And uh, he hits the ice and looks like Bambi and cracks his chin on the ice. His glasses go flying across the ice tries to do it one more time and then realizes that he had a skate guards on still. So he wasn't much of a hockey player, that's for sure. Oh, that that is uh, some great stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you said the director was a, a former hockey player, and, and obviously you played some hockey, and, and Peter Zezel and Steve Thomas, uh, of course, yeah. played a lot of hockey. Why did nobody step in and tell them there's no such thing as a neutral zone cycle in, in actual <laughs> hockey? Hey, remember, this was me. This it came from a guy that had played uh, high school hockey in Minnesota. So maybe there was back in in Minnesota high school hockey. I don't know, but uh, it was funny. We had a technical director that was uh, Eric Pesterenko. He helped with a lot of the the hockey shots and uh, spent a lot of time there. The old uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So we had we had fun listening to his stories to talk about Bobby Hall and Stan Makita and all the guys that he had played with. Played Dean Young Youngblood's uh, dad in the movie, did he not? Yes, he did. That's yes, right. Yep. Uh, does nobody uh, point out that uh, junior games don't happen during school hours as well? <laughs> 
Why do you have to get so technical? They didn't think of that stuff back then. Well, see, th- that's what happens when you watch the movie 10,000 times is you start that's to notice true. every little thing. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is true. And I didn't know how many uh, how many young um, 16-year-old g- girls drove the Zamboni at the rink, too. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. N- now, now George George Finn played Carl Rocky, and, and this was a yeah. guy who actually was true to his character, because when you look at his numbers, he racked up a, a whole lot of penalty minutes. Uh, you know, what was he like to be around? Well, I know Finner, because we, we all played... Uh, junior against each other and he had made a, a more than a few stops in his in his career in uh in the ohl so we knew of him um but he was he's a great guy off the ice it's just that's the way he played and uh he actually played like you said pretty true to his character so we he had fun with it uh, i actually saw him in utica about five or six years after that and um had a good laugh about it all well, we, we spoke to Tyler uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and that's just kind of how we got onto this topic about you being on there. Uh, I think that the scene that everybody remembers the most from Youngblood, uh, through all the, the great hockey choreography, is Tea with Miss McGill. And and he did said, we did ask him, and he said, you, you made it fast forward through some of those parts as he was a kid, and then obviously he got a little bit older. But uh, was that a scene where the, like Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe were... were surprised that this happens in junior hockey or or kind of what was the the jokes going around about that scene and and i gotta tell you miss mcgill she's pretty hot in that movie (laughs) well that that goes back to patrick swayze wanting to uh you know really get involved in his character so he asked us a lot of that um you know if if that kind of stuff had gone on again rob lowe was a little bit different um but you know, they they certainly got into it. They they did a good job with it, and um, they did ask a lot of questions, and we kind of had some fun with them as well. So, um, and the coach in that Ed Louder that uh, had played in a lot of uh, a lot of Death with Wish movies and stuff. He was our our coach and was a big LA Kings fan at the time. He uh, he filled them in with some stuff as well. So they knew what was uh, what was ahead of them when they stepped onto the set. Any talk about uh, reprising uh, the the not the role of Young Blood, but like uh, any uh, back then? Was there any talk about uh, a sequel or anything like that? Or have you ever been involved in any other movies? No, no, uh, no, I haven't been involved in any other movies. But no, they didn't talk about it at the time, and unfortunately, um, you know, Patrick Swayze's not with us anymore. So, um, but uh, you know, it was just for us. It was we were teenagers. We had a, a lot of fun with it. I think if you talk to to Stumpy and uh, and those guys. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We had to become members of the Canadian Actors Guild and and whatnot. But it was just a, it was kind of a summer job for us. We were all junior hockey players, and um, it was better than cutting grass or doing whatever we would have had to do. So it wasn't too bad. We we were doing it for uh, just almost two months. So it, it was a pretty good summer job. Anything that you were able to keep from the movie as a as a souvenir? Well, actually, it's funny that you say that. There is a, um, and I don't, obviously, they didn't realize this at the time, but there's, uh, when they first came out with the VHS on the cover, uh, on the back of the cover, there's maybe a hundred in circulation where they thought it was Patrick Swayze sitting next to Rob Lowe and it was actually me. And once they realized it, they pulled the cover and then put a, put a new one out. So, um, I've got a couple of those actually sitting at home that are a pretty nice collector's item. Very cool. Now, so so the close-up shots of of the skating when when it was supposed to be Patrick Swayze that would that would be you. Yes, yes, 
Yep. Excellent. Yep. And who was Rob yep. Lowe stand in? Uh, he had two. Uh, Scotty McPherson, who uh, played some college hockey and did some scouting and played a little bit of pro, and then Randy Walker, who actually, I think, scouts for the Oshawa Generals uh, in the OHL. Oh, so, that's, uh, that's those excellent. guys were playing uh, midget hockey back then. Don, great to talk to you. I uh, love the stories, and uh, we might have to do it again because we only covered a quarter <laughs> of the movie today, so we'll have to bring you back on again sometime. And, and enjoy right, the, uh, the hockey season this year. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Our tribute to the uh, or the celebration of the 34th anniversary uh, since the release of Youngblood, uh, starring uh, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Keanu Reeves, and a uh, cast of uh, dozens. Uh, thanks to uh, the guests that you heard there, Steve Thomas, along with uh, Don Biggs, and of course uh, my old co-host Dean Millard. Uh, good times, that's for sure. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the show. Quick thank you to everybody who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. You get early access to all these interviews. Uh, so in because this show is uh, a day late, uh, it's been earlier access for patrons. I did most of the interviews like a Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. As I as mentioned, I was trying to get one more uh, interview done. That would have been on Thursday, but that fell through. Uh, so patrons have been able to hear this uh, all these interviews on today's show. Uh, for three or four days already. A couple of bucks a month, all it takes. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Next week uh, will be the first official show of February, as this show actually is coming out on uh, February 1st, but it was supposed to be January 30th, uh, 31st rather. Uh, throughout February, I know in the States it's Black History Month. Not sure if that's the case in Canada or not, if we have a, a certain or specific uh, month for that celebration. Uh, I believe it's also a month set aside to uh, celebrate women. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it, for some reason in my mind, I have February associated with uh, celebrating women. In the spirit of that, you've heard a lot of uh, the guests that I intend to get uh, on the Pipeline show. You've heard them on for uh, many, many years. Uh, I've uh, always liked to get uh, ladies in hockey on the show. I just like to have... I don't want it to be a sausage party. I don't like it all, just men all the time. Um, so I like to have a different voice. Uh, so we're going to do that a lot in February. Uh, we'll continue on with the 2020 draft spotlight. All those guys will obviously be uh, guys. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of uh, female members of the hockey media that I get on. And if there are specific uh, guests that you would like me to get, uh, maybe mention it to me on Twitter at TPS underscore gee between now and next week get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and i can talk about it next week right here on the pipeline show until then my name is Keith flaming see ya